Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. edition of the audible presented by trader joe's i'm bruce feldman joined as always by Stuart mandel uh Stu, we are taping this on a sunday night because we feel like we've had a first week of games i know it's not technically week one i think i think we're calling it week two uh but it felt i don't want to say it felt kind of normal but it felt at least more normal than than any other point um what did you think of the games this weekend well the flow of it i mean for the first window for that 12 eastern 9 a.m pacific window it really did feel like a regular college football saturday and that i found myself trying to flip back and forth between uh four different games uh the kansas state arkansas state game the iowa state louisiana game syracuse unc even um appalachian state charlotte was interesting down to the wire and then the notre dame game started so so and there was a lot going on it was like hey it's like a regular college football saturday except there are no big 10 teams in this noon window but then it slowed down in the afternoon that's where you really feel the 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 void the fewer games because when the florida state georgia tech game had a weather delay there were like no other options <laughs> at that time. especially notre dame notre dame duke at that point was about the only well thing and it happened to be that when this weather delay started they were in their halftime show so yeah and then at night uh clemson wake was really the only game of any significance that one was over pretty quickly however even with no pac-12 coastal carolina the chanticleers came in and saved the day for us at the in the uh and timmy b in the pac-12 after dark hour so let me let me uh i had an interesting perspective on this so i was in studio and it was an early day um getting up at 4 a.m to go in there and um so as you remember from your time at fox we have this avocado room the green room which has a ton of big tvs in there and at one point i was pretty much ready to take off the mic and and get changed and either just like dig in for the afternoon or head home and so the rest of our big noon crew was was taping actually a uh, a couple of half times that were going to run later in the day including the timmy b halftime uh that was going to come probably like six hours later and like that was the time when games started to end in that window and all of a sudden like and as you remember like that that setup like first of all it's not when you're in like a, a, a um, TV studio they don't have like regular channels it's like they get in on whatever satellite feeds or whatever they are that whatever the coordinates are and I don't know what they are and I don't know how to change these new TVs so all of a sudden I'm sitting there watching like the constant re-roll of the Arkansas State highlights going 
Um, I'm seeing Notre Dame halftime. I'm seeing like a weather delay. And I think the only thing I could kind of watch at that point was Army against Louisiana Monroe. But everything else on like nine TVs was either going to waiting for baseball games to start or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should get in the car and just go <laughs> home because this is like, and that kind of felt like exactly the, the air was out of the balloon. And then Florida State, Georgia Tech got going and it became a pretty compelling game. And I know we're going to get to that in a, in a bit, but um, let's talk about the Sun Belt because I know it's weird. Maybe this is a recency thing. Maybe it's a little bit of a Timmy B thing. I don't know what it was, but I the game I probably watched the most was the Kansas Coastal Carolina game. And Kansas got whooped. It was 28 to nothing at one point or 28 to three at half. And I'm sitting there and I'm actually texting Tim during the game at one point and just watching it. Now, Coastal beat them 12 to seven a year ago. And we know Kansas hasn't been very good for a long time. But I was trying to think about it. It was like, this isn't like Appalachian State kind of a a not power five program like coastal carolina is decent but they weren't even a 500 team last year and they are kicking the crap out of a power five school i mean i was trying to think of how many times i've seen that and i think it was in one of our you know like somebody at the athletic wrote this it's like les miles has been there a year and a game and he's been beaten by coastal carolina twice that was me (laughs) it's just (laughs) yeah um it just like Again, it's just like, man, it, it was a, such a dud performance that they, they had. And again, not to, I don't want to take anything away from Coastal because I thought they, they were pretty good. They moved. They were, you know, they, they had speed. They had speed. I thought their quarterback played hard. I thought their defense looked like they were dominating. So, I mean, but still, it's just like, man, Kansas is bad, you know? And it's not like, you know, Puka was in there in the first half, and then I guess he got dinged up, and then he went back in the game and he got dinged again. And, um, just like because I was, you know, I watched the other Sun Belt Big Twelve games, and I can't say I'm shocked. Like, I, Arkansas State's a good team, and Louisiana's a really good team. I mean, I actually thought that the other team that would show up, show up well was Western Kentucky when they played Louisville, but you know, it was a 35, I think, 21 game. But I guess my point is, those other teams, I I, I thought would 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 hold up. I just didn't think Kansas would get blown off the field like that. Well, pat myself on the back a little bit. I did pick that upset, and when I did, not not, not that I expected it to to play out the way it did. Um, when I I wrote a story for the Athletic last week about how hard it's going to be for for gamblers this season with all of the uh, unusual circumstances, and talked with a couple people about that game in particular, and they brought up. I give credit. Colin Wilson, Action Network, brought up. He goes, you know. Coastal Carolina is the only team in America that got in all 15 spring practices. Kansas had none. I was like, you know what? That, good enough for me. I'm picking the Coastal Carolina. Now, I don't think that's the sole reason, but Coastal looked on fire. Like you said, they got up 28 nothing. Kansas, you remember last year there was like that brief span for a few games. They went and they they kicked the crap out of BC, and they I think they, they lost close to Texas in a shootout, and it was like, oh, okay. Les has found himself an offensive coordinator who knows modern offenses and, you know, he's not being stubborn. And, but they also lost the quarterback from that offense and the quarterbacks they had did not look good. So, you know, I think this is going to be a season where you don't know what to make of a particular result. Who knows what was going on that contributed to that. But I don't know. To me, that wasn't like anything fluky about that. 
that's one of those things where sometimes there's an upset and they say, well, you know, if they played 10 times, the, the favorite would still win. I, not this one. Can't, Coastal just looked flat out like the better team. Yeah, I can't argue. Um, look, I, I'll be honest. I watched a lot of Iowa State, Louisiana, and Louisiana is a really good offense. Like, you, you know, Matt Campbell earlier in the week talked about Levi Lewis being one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And if you looked at what he did statistically last year, he was. And Elijah Mitchell's a good running back, and they have a really good offensive line. Um, I did not expect that Brock Purdy and that offense, which they didn't have Charlie Kohler, who's a really good tight end, but they have two other really good tight ends and, and a bunch of good backs. And for them to be completely bottled up like that at home, again, and, and this kind of speaks to a little bit maybe of what you were saying, where we don't really know exactly, you know, I, I feel like in a normal year, you kind of think, was the team prepared or not? You know, how did they show up or whatever? But you know, I think now, given who knows what goes on with contact tracing, who knows what got, goes on in the practice, you know, there's not a lot of schools that are divulging too much about uh, how their, uh, you know, how their practices are going, how their test, uh, t- tests are going with COVID. So, again, not to not to make excuses for Iowa State, but, you know, I didn't think there was anything fluky about that game either, you know, to be honest. I, I thought... And, and again, this was a team that was ranked in the top 25. Our friend Tim Brando, I think he had them going to the playoff. Or at least in the top. No, I think he, he had did. them in the top He had them like six number six or in the five. Yeah. Poll, yeah. So. I mean, one thing you know, that, I, that seemed to be. I, I, I do think that there's not really a. That, that, that you know, if, if, if they'd had a sold out stadium, would Iowa State have won the game? I don't know. But you don't have that lift at all when you're playing in an empty stadium. When if the team if the home team is struggling, you know you've seen many games like this. The 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 big the the higher ranked team is struggling at home in an early game, but then like sometime in the third quarter, early fourth, they start to have a little bit of momentum and the crowd gets into it. And you just don't have that. There's no you have to create your own energy. And so I saw that with UNC. It took them three quarters to get going. Obviously Louisiana. Um, and Iowa State, Notre Dame had students sprinkled throughout the stadium, but it was mostly empty. Uh, I, you know, I do think more than in the NFL, this not having any home field advantage is going to cause some strange results. Well, it's a weird dynamic. The only thing I can compare it to in all the games, and it's not like I did, I've done sideline like Holly Rowe has or or a bunch of other people, but I did it, you know, for five years in a row. And the one environment that stood out for maybe all the wrong reasons, and again, I don't want to be beating Kansas all over this podcast, but it, it's a Kansas game. I've only been there one time for a football game, but it was or maybe my second year. I was with Brando and, and Spencer Tillman, and we did a Texas Tech at Kansas 11 a.m. game. And we drove in there from, from Kansas City, and I remember it was like driving to a doctor's office. Like there was no energy in the place. And I think because of it, and it's not like that was a great Texas Tech team, but it did have, you know, now one of the, maybe the best player in football, Pat Mahomes was on there, you know, was on the team. And Pat and the whole Texas Tech offense, the whole team was so sluggish that I actually thought that Cliff Kingsbury was going to yank him and put uh, Davis Webb in the game. I mean, it's just like they were like sleepwalking through it. And again, I don't know how much went into, went into you know, it wasn't like a great team, but 
you're just wondering is like are they just sleepwalking here and i wonder if that happens if that how much that can happen to a team where you're just kind of you know it's an early especially if it's an early game if it's a noon kick if it's a you know if in that case is 11 a.m local time where the team just there's just no energy and and they're just kind of sleepwalking because that's what it felt like and i could see that happening in this dynamic certainly when when you're already kind of struggling to stay locked in because there's so much of a distractions that you're dealing with um the only though there were two games where whether it was the way the game was shot or whether they were pumping in crowd noise where it did seem like there were a decent number of fans was kansas state on the the fox noon game um and that one i do know they they put some crowd noise in there um but even some of the wide shots you saw some some not so social distancing in the crowd and definitely the florida state game and that made for some interesting surrender cobra moments at the end of that game i'm 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 just baffled this is like year four of this how can florida state be so bad on offense and particularly offensive line um which was just you know all, all hats off to Georgia Tech. You know, coming off three and nine, still Jeff Collins still early on trying to build a program there, and they were down ten nothing. And it looked, you know, their their freshman quarterback threw two picks. They came back and won it, and it just it was like your Groundhog Day. Like how many times in the last few years, you know, since probably Jimbo Fisher's last season, do you watch a Florida State game where the quarterback can't make any plays and he can't get any protection and they can't run the ball? And this is now, you know, Mike Norvell comes in. He's known for flashy offense, and it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, obviously Jimbo's last year, they were they really were a clunker. I mean, I, I think he was five and six. Now, if you remember that, I'm trying to remember if I was with you or if I was with somebody I knew. I went to a we went to a bar to watch them play uh, Alabama. Mm, I was at and that at game at that point. What's that? Okay, so I, maybe I went with a, my producer or something. I just remember going there, and that team was a, supposed to be a good FSU team. That was a preseason top five team, and they lost. But I want to say maybe Derwin James got hurt in the game, or somebody pretty good. Well, that was the, the that was the day that everything turned. DeAndre Francois got hurt in the fourth okay. quarter. It was actually a competitive game, uh, and then DeAndre Francois went down in the fourth quarter. I think they lost twenty four seven. James Blackman had to start that year as a freshman. And four, you know, four years later, he's still starting, and it doesn't. It's frustrating watching him because it doesn't seem like he's got. Well, how much many better. systems has he been at? How many True. systems has he been? It's at? not all him. He by had any Jimbo. Means, yeah, yeah. He had Jimbo for the first year, and then he had Willie Taggart. I, I mean, Willie had uh, somebody else, and then Kendall Bryles. I thought, and maybe he had Kendall Bryles both times. I don't know. And he at least had but Cam then, Akers the last couple of years. Cam Akers playing for the Rams now. Uh, you know, Andy Staples actually at the game, and he wrote about. Basically everything they have a thin offensive line to begin with, and then one of their guards went down, and at that from that point forward they couldn't do anything. So, um, again, does that mean that Georgia? Who knows where those two teams go from there? But um, it's the fourth year in a row that Florida State has lost their season opener, and they were all games that a lot of people are watching. Right, the Alabama game, the the Virginia Tech Monday night game, Boise State last year, and then. The, the Joe Tess, return of Joe Tess game, ABC game this year. Um, and it was good to hear Joe Tess's voice. By the way, to clarify, it, it getting back to uh, getting back to the quarterback discussion of Florida State, it is, in fact, 
the fourth different offense that they've had in four years because it went Jimbo's last year where he ran the show. And then Willie Taggart came in, and his first OC, which I'd forgotten about this, was Walt Bell before, I guess, he went to Maryland. And then uh, it was Kendall Browse, and now, obviously, this year, it's Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham. So that is not easy for any quarterback. It's certainly not also easy for any offensive line um, when you have such a lack of continuity. Um, Getting back to Iowa State for a second, you and I have – raved about matt campbell on this podcast many times um we've always you know thought he was the up-and-coming coach and they took a little bit of a step back last year they got blown out by notre dame in the bowl game but i have pretty high expectations for them coming into this year with brock purdy back uh and um, i mean he had the worst game of his career as a third year starter he had the worst game of his career that day um louisiana is known for a great offense i don't know that they were known for a great defense but that's that's basically what happened. They just shut him down. And is this the kind of thing where, like, I wonder if this is even more so than a normal season. You know, in a normal season, there's opening week results that a month or two later make no sense. Um, we, we could we could have a lot of those this year. Uh, who knows? Maybe Iowa State goes on to have a legendary season. But their first time playing a game in an empty stadium and who knows how COVID may have affected them in preseason camp. I don't know. But it was not not a great start for a team that I have pretty high expectations for. Back to the podcast in a second, but first a word about Ernest. Now's the time to get your student loan payments under control. You could be saving by refinancing your student loans with Ernest. Interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. And now you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com audible. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash audible. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash audible for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC, NMLS number 1204917. California Financing Law License number 6054788303 Second Street. Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of license states. Yeah, and shout out uh, to the Louisiana defense coordinator. That's Patrick Tony. Uh, who did a story on him Sunday on, uh, on The Athletic. He is he comes from a pretty, pretty impressive defensive coaching tree. He's the latest protege of Ron Roberts who is Dave Aranda's defensive coordinator at Baylor, but he's really Dave Aranda's mentor. And other guys who are on that tree are uh, Pete Golding at Alabama, B. Brown at Louisville. And for Patrick Tony, a 30-year-old D.C., it was quite a debut as a play caller because, as you mentioned, for Brock Purdy and a pretty good offense, they didn't have a play go 20 yards or longer all day. I mean, that's that's something now um, to, to have somebody that bottled up and kept them off balance as he did. So, you know, look, hats off to the Sun Belt. It was a really good day for that league. And um, I do think that's, this is one of, the, one of the probably cool things about this kind of staggered start 
that we're having in college football is that you know some of these schools and some of these conferences that usually don't get a lot of attention uh, are getting a lot of attention. We're getting a lot of attention for Arkansas State right now. I feel like they've been on TV a couple times, and now people kind of know who their guys are, and they know who uh, you know who's like who's like. Um, you know, one of the dominant receivers in college football that they never would have heard about. Now they're watching and seeing Jonathan Adams just eat people up back-to-back weeks. Yeah, the interesting thing for the Sun Belt is um, I, they, they started playing football in the early 2000s, and they were the worst conference. Like, there wasn't even a question. I, I remember one year North Texas won the conference, and they were 5-7. and seven. And then as we've gone through the various rounds of realignment, they've actually gotten stronger like adding Appalachian State and adding Georgia Southern, um, and to the point where you know I think if you if there's a pecking order within the group of five, the AAC is pretty generally viewed as the number one, the Mountain West right after them, and then the Sun Belt. But in this season, when there are so few Power Five, Group of Five games, I mean, winning three games against the Big Twelve puts them in great shape to try to get a team into a New Year's Six bowl. Um, you know, I think. The new top 25 came out Sunday, and it's still teams like Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis. They're ranked in the top 15. The Sun Belt teams are a little bit lower. Um, but those wins give you credibility, and uh, it would be fascinating to see one of those teams. Ralph Russo from the AP, props to him. He uh, he did a preseason New Year's Six projections last week, and he's the only one I know who had Louisiana in one of those major bowl games. But we go on Louisiana or Louisiana Lafayette on this podcast. Uh, we are going to Louisiana because I asked their SID that uh, on Sunday morning just because I'm like, you know what, before I do ULL and, you know, sometimes people on Twitter like things and sometimes the schools don't. And so I asked for clarification. He said Louisiana. So we're going Louisiana on it. And when you beat a top 25 team, you deserve you deserve the credit and you deserve to get your name the way you want it said. Um so with all the talk about you talking about New Year's Six Bowls, uh, your latest bowl projections will be on the site on Tuesday. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cut that. I, I, can't, I can't even begin to do bowl projections. We don't even know how many games there are going to be. I'm kidding. I was kidding. Oh. I wanted to see how you reacted to that. Never, right, sorry. Steve, sorry so, for ruining your joke. And that's okay. It wasn't much of a joke. Um, so we mentioned Jonathan Adams. Um he definitely has stood out, but there was a new batch of freshmen. Obviously, Spencer Rattler has a ton of buzz, and uh, they torched Bobby Petrino's school. And at one point, he had—I think—he finished the day with four touchdown passes and only three incompletions. He stood out. Clemson had some defensive linemen really stand out. Miles Murphy, three TFLs and seven tackles. Uh, who else caught your eye this weekend? Well, that's who I was going to mention first. Um, I think it's pretty remarkable. Clemson had. Uh, has two five-star defensive linemen in that class, and they both uh, had sacks in the very first game against Wake Forest. Clemson had some guys out for reasons undisclosed. I think there's going to be a lot of that this season, guys that just aren't in the game and nobody says why. Uh, and so they gave, they gave those guys an opportunity. Um, it's interesting because last year's Clemson team, even though they made the national championship game, they were obviously very good, but after losing those four you know that 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 2018 defensive line with the four NFL guys. You know they took a step back in that on, on that position group. Um, Xavier Thomas was a guy that that people had very high hopes for, and 
he is actually still out recovering from uh, COVID. COVID and strep, I believe, um, set him back. So, yeah, I mean, they dominated Wake with that with those freshmen in there, uh, even without Justin Foster. So, you know, not not that that's surprising that Clemson would go out and, and dominate Wake. Um, but I thought that was a revelation from that. And then, obviously, Kyron Williams for Notre Dame. He was basically their entire offense because there was – that was not a great day for Ian Book. No, it wasn't. I felt like they were pretty disjointed. I mean, their young tight end, Michael Meyer, had a good productive game. Um, but, yeah, it was, I don't know. It just was like kind of felt like a sluggish game from what I saw from them. You know what it reminded me of? Ex- almost exactly. And I, it's only one game, but... Remember going into last season, Georgia was loaded. Oh, they're going to be great. They're loaded. They have one question mark at receiver. They lost their top four receivers. But other than that, they're loaded. And that ended up being their undoing. And and Jake Fromm really took a step back. And the Notre Dame, Notre Dame was, they, they lost um, Chase Claypool. They lost their really good tight end. Then guys that were. Cole Komet. Yep, Cole Komet. Then the guy, and, and Chris Fink. And then the guy who they thought might be the number one receiver this year, uh, Kevin Austin, I think broke his leg, so he's out. So, like, there's just not much to choose from there. And Ian Book just looked very tentative. Um, pedestrian. Yes, pedestrian. That's a good word for it. Now, they have this run, this this running back, Kyron Williams, who I think went for 200 all-purpose yards and, and balled out. But um, it'll be, that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on because I do think Notre Dame – at almost every other area has a very good team, very talented. Certainly we're curious to see if they can challenge Clemson, but not based on what I saw in the first game. Would I, would I have much faith that they could challenge Clemson? Cause they just, they didn't look like they have guys that can stretch the field. I do think you'll see more and more of Chris Tyree. He is a true freshman running back. Uh, he had a big kick return in the game. I know from talking to some folks inside the Notre Dame program, they see some comparisons to Bryce love uh, and Tyree has that kind of speed, which is something Notre Dame really hasn't had. They've had some guys, a few guys who had straight line speed, but not that explosive. And so I think you'll see him become more of a factor in the offense, not just in the return game too. So it's early, but yeah, I saw, uh, you know, again, it was, it was a little bit of uh, a little bit of a dud performance by a team. I think you, you and I both think will be pretty good. Um, you know, I uh, saw Miami on Thursday night. Uh, you know, I think their speed, I think, is going to be interesting to see. And Jalen Knighton had a good game and and kind of flashed their running backs, at least, and against a pretty good defense. Like, UAB has had basically top 10 defenses the last two years, and Miami ran for a lot of yards on them. Again, you know, we'll see how much better they get with De'Eric King. I do think they're going to be much better on offense. I don't know if much better translates to be a top 20 team or not but you know maybe they'll be they could be the third best team in the ACC or maybe challenge Notre Dame for the second best team if if D.R. King really in you know injects them with a lot of with a lot of juice on offense they ran for 337 yards and the stats started coming out about how long it had been since they'd done anything like that um and UAB was a top 20 rushing defense last year uh, so that's no small thing. I think that if you were expecting Derek King to come in, come out and, and and have an unbelievable passing game, that didn't happen. 
but it is a completely different offense. I mean, you're a Miami historian. When's the last time they had a quarterback who could run like that? Um, it's pretty rare. And and I think that that's in, in that hurry-up offense with all the RPOs, you know, there's a big reason why. I mean, he himself ran for 83 yards. Uh, but like I said, 52 carries for 337 yards. I mean, that's where this offense could be much improved. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, Kenny Kelly was a dual-sport baseball football guy. He was a good athlete. Ryan Collins was a a good athlete. Um, I mean, I'm talking about those are guys that are 20 years ago, right? I mean, they've had a couple of guys who could, you know, was it Malik Rozier? I don't even know how I remember to pronounce his name two different ways, or maybe we were mispronouncing. Like, he could move a little bit, too. They've had some guys who can move, but um, who haven't actually been that that proficient as passers though they've and so they've just always been a traditional pro style team and this is a completely different look for them um you know they play louisville this week in (laughs) we were talking at the beginning about how kind of the slate kind of cleared out in the afternoon next week's games look any college football is good college football at this point after what we went through this summer but it's a it's such a light slate of games some of them have been canceled that um, Miami-Louisville is the game day game. And so I think we'll learn a lot more about both those teams here pretty quickly. Louisville handled uh, Western Kentucky. Um, That's another thing about college football in 2020. I mean, while watching games Saturday, and I'm on Twitter, and, uh, you know, the Memphis game, the the Houston-Memphis game has been postponed, and the... BYU Army game has been postponed. This is all happening on Saturday. Virginia, Virginia Tech got postponed uh, first thing in the morning. But then, and I believe you broke the news, uh, Like I think even before the Memphis-Houston game was officially canceled, Houston had already lined up a new game against Baylor, and it's going to be this week, and it's going to be the big noon game. Like that, that all came together seemingly within hours. Yeah, um, I, I was on my way home from the lot, from the Fox lot and uh, started getting some calls from some people. And basically Baylor was um, on their way out to practice when they this first became broached to their, to Dave Aranda and from the Houston side, their players were kind of devastated that they found out they weren't going to be able to play Memphis on Friday. They had the day off on Saturday and then Dana Holgerson got a bunch of his team captains on a zoom call and said hey how do you feel about playing Baylor next week <laughs> and Houston, it was yeah it it came I'm sorry yeah how do you feel yeah feel about and it just came together that fast and so now look when I had uh when I had reported that they were working on that I didn't even know it was an option for Fox at that point and then um you know, I don't know, it's probably within an hour or so, then all of a sudden it was like, because uh, we weren't going to have any games on our network, I don't think it was ever scheduled to be that. Um, we had lost, obviously, our uh, big noon game, which was a Baylor, uh, Baylor-Louisiana Tech game. That got canceled because of Louisiana Tech's issues. And there was a TCU-SMU game, which was for Friday, 
um, and that got canceled because of COVID and the TCU COVID issues at TCU. So as you're saying, it's just a whirlwind of stuff getting shuffled around. And look, I mean, I'm glad we got the game. It's a good matchup. You know, it's Dave Aranda's first game. He's a defensive guy against Dana Holgerson, who's obviously an offensive guy. It's in state and it's a light week, as you said. I mean, the SEC won't start for another week and this is, you know, it's it's a really, really light week. I mean, I, I, I think Miami-Louisville is a fun game, but most of what we're seeing is just um, slim pickings. Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a minute. But first, a word from DoorDash. So you want Chinese. They want pizza. Someone else is craving Froyo. And I know that's probably Stu, of course. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners at The Audible can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code AUDIBLE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code AUDIBLE. Don't forget, that's code AUDIBLE for $5 off on your first order with DoorDash. Hi, I'm Andy Staples with The Athletic. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before lemon lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you've celebrated a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some liquid IV. You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code ATHLETIC at checkout and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. It's remarkable to me how quickly it just became normalized that games are going to get posted. Like, it's in the double digits now, the number of games that have been postponed because of because of one of the teams had too many players in, testing positive or in quarantine. The Memphis one is interesting because it came out, it was reported by the Memphis Commercial Appeal that this all happened. So they played Arkansas State the week before and that the, the, the positive tests started coming out pretty quickly after that game. And according to them, one of the players on Twitter disputes it, but according to the newspaper... It's because a bunch of guys rented a party bus the night after that game, and lo and behold, guess what? COVID outbreak. Uh, those are the weird things that are going to end up influencing the course of this season. Because of a party bus in Memphis, 
There's a well, Houston Baylor game a, now. Do we know that that's true though? Uh, it was reported by their beat writer in the main paper. It's I'm gonna okay. take that as credible. Um, if it's not, if it's the reason the player said on Twitter, then we've got a much bigger problem. He basically accused uh, Arkansas State of getting them infected, which you know, I would, I, if that were the case, I would hope that Arkansas State would not have played another football game. Um, that's. I mean, towards that end, I had spoken to uh, an AD and said. You know, and this was a conversation I had Sunday morning, and we talked about a bunch of different things. But one of the things was about what is this like going to be like for you week to week? And one of the things he said is there's a level of like almost an anxiousness and an anxiety about you're going through these protocols where you've done, uh, you know, your guys have gone through six tests in 13 days. And I guess it is mentally exhausting for them to kind of ride this roller coaster. It's like, okay, we just won a game. Now, what are these players doing on Saturday night? Are they, are they hanging out? Are they keeping to themselves? What like, you know, normally players after you win a big game or win any game, they probably, you know, cause you had curfews and whatever. Now all of a sudden you're going to exhale. And that is something that probably you can't do now. I mean, look, one of the games, I don't even know if we mentioned it in the rundown of like what got canceled. There was supposed to be another top 25 matchup that was going to happen this week. And it was a good scheme matchup and it's not happening. Army against uh, BYU at army. I think they're two top 25 teams that got postponed. And that was going to be the CBS three thirty window that the sec usually is in. That was going to be that game. So it's a, it's really a, a, a blow. In fact, Army's AD went on Twitter Sunday morning, just open invitation. If anybody has a team available for a game next week, uh, call me. Because that's a, that, you know, Army, I guess, is tied into CBS Sports Network. So that's why they're able to get yes. that game. Um, that's a great opportunity for somebody if they can fill it. Uh, I think what you said is right. I think there were a couple coaches who in their post-game press conferences said how nerve-wracking it was they didn't they would they they weren't sure until you know friday at five o'clock when the test came back that they were going to be able to play oklahoma it sounds like came really close to not having enough guys you know the big 12 is the one conference that has put out a minimum 53 players and then certain guys have to be available at each position um and then when they came out for pregame warm-ups our guy jason kersey and all the other oub writers were you know looking down there figuring out who's missing who's missing it was like 20 guys uh from their two deep that that weren't on the field so lincoln riley said afterward they they came very close to having to postpone that game uh that's a tough thing Stu, to go through week you, to week uh, with the way that game shaped up i think you could have been the 11th <laughs> sooner on both sides of the ball they yeah they, won they didn't seem way. to miss those guys one bit but um i mean they were playing freshmen I looked at the box score and it was, I didn't see the game. It was on paper. I wasn't going to play the, pay the $50 pay-per-view for that <laughs> Oklahoma, Missouri state game, but it was all freshman running backs and freshman receivers. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's going to be like this every week and games are going to get postponed on, you know, a few days notice. Uh, and, and it's going to start to wear on people now segue to the news that hasn't come out yet. Maybe it will come out by the time you've listened to this about the Big Ten. You know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are waiting for for the next step in this where you can do 
uh, daily antigen tests, daily, you know, in the training room, you get the results back in 15 minutes. Um, you stop the outbreaks before they can start. And if it's if it works as they say it would, as a Pac-12 certainly says it would, you, you'd be able to play your season just fine. Um, you wouldn't have to ride now, this roller just coaster. Just to pause on that, though, the Pac-12, it announced it two weeks ago. From my understanding is they won't have those tests maybe for another month. So... The press conference There's was some- September 3rd, and the both Larry Scott and the CEO of the testing company said that the machines right. would be there the, by the end the coaches of the month. In, end yeah, of the coaches in the league were, and people in the league were shocked by that announcement, by the way. It just kind of like came out. And it's not to say it's not real, but the Pac-12, and uh, these are two very separate stories. You know, we reported over the weekend on Fox about the meetings in the Big Ten, and there's some optimism, and we'll see what the presidents ultimately decide after two days of what I've heard were productive meetings and presentations. The 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 Pac-12, though, is in a much different place because, quite honestly, the four California schools and the two Oregon schools cannot play right now. It's just, it's not even if they, even if the leagues wanted them to play locally, they cannot play right now. And we'll see what happens when they do get the daily tests but even also, like that game, that Ohio State-Oregon game, which was supposed to be played this weekend. That would have gotten canceled. Even if there was no pandemic, yeah, because there's wildfires that were, there were people in the next town over from Eugene who were getting evacuated. If so. you are not on the West Coast and don't realize fully what's going on out here, it's it's devastating. And the air quality, I mean, I, I don't live anywhere near wildfires, but the smoke, you know, we've barely been able to go outside um, this past week. The 49ers game, the as I've learned a lot in, about the AQI, it has to be under 200 for them to be feel okay playing. And even uh, even the high 100s is not considered healthy to be breathing that air. But um, our our colleague, our, our editor Dan Uthman, is, lives in Portland, so again, anything over 100, not great. Anything over 200, you've got a real problem. In his own house in Portland, is like 500, 500 AQI. In his house. Well, where he lives, not inside his house. Oh. But, but when it's that high, you can feel it inside. I felt it when it got over 200 here. I felt it a little bit uh, inside. So anyway, uh, all that is a way of saying that had there never been COVID, had or had the Big Ten and Pac-12 not canceled their non-conference games, that great Ohio State-Oregon game still would have gotten canceled this weekend, as would any Pac-12 game in California or Oregon, probably Washington too. I mean, the wildfires are hit. Are, is affecting all of those schools. I feel bad. The Pac-12 is going to get left behind here if the Big Ten decides to come back in October. Um, and this all, it all, the, the whole conversation changed. I feel like when the Pac-12 made that announcement, because up to that point, first of all, up to that point, the Pac-12 we still thought was going to be after January first. It was only after that announcement that Larry Scott started to at least publicly entertain the idea of starting around Thanksgiving. And then the Big Ten, all you heard them talk about was end of Thanksgiving. But there was all this pressure that's been mounting, you know, from Ryan Day, from Jim Harbaugh, from James Franklin, from lawyers in Nebraska to start as soon as start start it back up in, in mid-October so they can have a shot to be eligible for the playoff. And so if the if if that is what they ultimately end up deciding to do, they will have basically lapped the Pac-12, and 
you know, the Big Ten may still be able to have have some semblance of a regular season. It'll be a shorter season, but it would be one that lines up with the other conferences. The Pac-12, I don't know when they'll be able to start. I mean, definitely not in October. Yeah, I mean, that's... and. That's, you know, as again, you're talking about all the pausing and everything else going on, but that is, you know, it's just a different track that they're on right now. It's like they're in a different world. And, um, you know, I don't know how much more to say about it. And we've talked about it on the podcast a little bit. We've written about it a little bit, but I don't know more where it goes from there. And, and so we'll keep an eye on the Big Ten. Obviously, there's some, there's at least some optimism there. And so... What does that translate into? They have to get to nine votes from their presidents at least, and or presidents and chancellors. So if they do, then you'll have the Big Ten back. What would be kind of crazy is if you had the Big Ten, let's say, start in mid to late October. So you have everyone else almost like these staggered seasons. And if they were to go, you know, they were to go October, November to December, and then you have the championship and then all of a sudden the Pac-12 decided to start, you could have football for like 30 weeks, you know, 30, 35 weeks straight. Well, there was, yeah, I mean, there was a period where um, I thought the Big Ten and Pac-12 might both start in Thanksgiving. I know Larry Scott was sure hoping they would sync it up and they would both start in Thanksgiving and go till February. And yeah, you would have the longest college football season in history. Well, then you're talking, and don't forget, you still you still have other parts of, uh, FBS, where you have the Mountain West and the and the MAC. I mean, what happens if they were to start in the spring, w- winter, spring? Then it carries over even further. Some of these FCS schools that that decided to get in a couple, like Austin P, decided to play their three FBS games, and then but their conferences shut down until the spring. Like they could literally play. They played their first game August 29th and. They might still be playing in April or May. Didn't they announce that the FCS playoffs are going to be in April? April yeah, 18th, I want to say. Playoff, yeah. 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 So you could have a team that played a game in August that's also playing a game in April. <laughs> it's kind of wild to think about. Um, one other thing, quick thing about the Pac 12 that people should, should be aware of is they never got past when the NCAA just said, okay, you, here's what you have to do to phase back in. You, you do this two week period and then you graduate to. You you go from small groups to walkthroughs to I don't even remember all the phases. The Pac-12 never made it out of the first phase, so you know Jim Harbaugh says he can be ready for a game in two weeks or or the other in three weeks. You know they're just waiting for the go to start training camp. The Pac-12 still needs to do the part before training camp. So even if you flip the switch tomorrow, they would need five or six weeks to ramp up. So that's why they're not not able to make any quick decisions like the big 10 possibly will we actually uh full disclosure we planned to record this episode sunday first thing sunday morning we decided to hold off in case the big 10 announced something later uh, sunday they did not possibly monday maybe this whole discussion will be outdated by the time you hear it when you do a couple mailbag questions as always you can write to us at the audible pod at gmail Dot com. Uh, the first question is from Matt in Manhattan, Kansas. Hey, Stu and Bruce, on Saturday, three Big 12 programs lost to a Sunbelt team. What fan bases should be the most concerned by the loss? And what fan base should be concerned but move past it the fastest? Love your work and everything you guys do. Thank you, Matt. Stu? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Kansas has got to be the most concerned because, like we said earlier, they looked like they were not even in the same class as a uh, Sunbelt team that won four games last year. People who've listened to this podcast know how I felt about the Les Miles hire at the time. Uh, I thought that was one of those hires that you made, that Jeff Long, that he made for the wrong reasons to get a big name and 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 get some attention and not so much about is this the right guy to actually – I mean, this isn't just a rebuilding job. This is you know, Kansas football has been as down as down can be for a decade now. And uh, I thought they, that that wasn't the right hire. Um, and I'm afraid that that may be panning out here because um, that team just looked utter, utterly lost and, and completely outclassed. Who should be the least concerned? Um I'm going to say Iowa State because I do think that's a pretty good team. I like possibly a legit top 25 team they lost to. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, you know, K-State lost to a team, by the way, that did was missing eight players, I think eight starters, because of um, for that game where there was contact tracing or whatnot. And that was obviously not a great performance either. Um, but I think... I feel like those two teams both will will be fine. I don't know, you know. I mean, Jeff Long's pretty much tied his his fortune to to that Les Miles hire. Um, so I, I'm not saying he's going to do anything rash at this point, but I just, you know, I don't know how much better it gets. I really, it was just such a bad performance. And it's not like they don't have players, but you look at their schedule now. I mean, do you, well, it's the Big Twelve. They, they play the whole Big Twelve from here, and I don't. Yeah, who are they going to be? Well, we I mean, should mention to to, that Texas Tech needed to stop a two-point conversion to to hold off Houston Baptist. So it may be that they're not very good either. They may not be, but the the teams that you know would seem like in the bottom half of the conference. Uh, in addition to Kansas, is West Virginia. They got to go to West Virginia. They, the team that lost K State, they got to go to K State. They got to go to Lubbock. You know, it's not like, I mean, even the the teams that have struggled the most or that we think may be struggling, those are the teams that they got to go on the road to. Like, I mean, well, you know, they could be staring at a winless season. I think they probably are staring at a winless season, but not. You you just said something that naturally occurs to all of us, and you have to start when you say like have to go to or they're on the road against i'm not sure that matters as much this year if you if you're playing in lubbock that's usually a pretty hostile place to play that's not going to be the case this year so um i think that I mean, look there's by the time they play them it could be <laughs> that's true what are they going to do though i mean i mean let's remember that jeff long also entered his school into a protracted legal battle to try to get out of paying David Beatty his $500,000 and, and, and all, and then they ended up saving a grand $50,000, right? When they settled with him. I mean, that, that, that's a place that is struggling, has been struggling financially well before COVID. Now, you know, that like everybody else, they're looking at tens of millions of dollars in, in lost revenue this year, um, by not being able to have full stadiums. Um, like Les Miles isn't going anywhere. They they unless less unless he quits voluntarily, you know, that he's gonna be there. Right? They can't I don't know what his buyout is, but they can't afford it. 
Yeah, and at this point, it's not like, except for a little bit of Mark Mangino, you know, they've been bad for a while, so it's almost like, hey, we got basketball, so maybe they're, you know, it's not like maybe expectations are that, are, uh, I don't know. I, I just, just, uh, I think it's almost like I said, I think he's kind of just going to roll with it, and this is his guy. Um, Blaine from Virginia, Dear Bruce and Stu. Obviously, it's a lot easier to win when there aren't November flights to California or playing games variably at noon, 2.30, or 8. It's also embarrassing to have the third most lucrative TV deal in Indiana. Could COVID be the shock to the system to make it happen? He's talking about Notre Dame joining a conference. Yeah, you know, I figured that out when he said the third most lucrative you know, in Indiana. Um what is what is interesting is one thing when you talk to some Notre Dame people, they would talk about how challenging their schedule is in terms of going into every time zone and the times they play back, and then all of a sudden it's like it's pretty de- it's demanding in terms of like academically they don't they don't kind of cut you slack on some of that stuff. So this probably would make things a lot more manageable. And never say never. I mean, I know Notre Dame liked their uniqueness of being the only, in, you know, only independent and major, major, you know, certainly BYU is an independent now, but um, maybe so. I think the answer is it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they decided to make the, this a permanent deal. Would it shock you? Um, yes, it would shock me. Uh, now, I have said since this was announced, like, let's see you know if, if you're somebody who really wants to see this happen and by the way i'm not sure why it's so important to people they join a conference um they're actually i mean they're playing an easier schedule this year than they would have uh, originally as an independence um but let's see what happens if they actually make the conference title game if, if their players have the experience of playing for a conference championship instead of the way it is now where they start out every season hoping to win the national title and then most years you know other than two years ago, obviously, that goal goes by the wayside mid-season or so, and then you're just kind of playing for the best bowl possible. You know that might be a pretty powerful um, experience if these players get the chance of playing for a conference championship, and then you go back to the way it was the next year. But from a Pete Sampson, our Notre Dame writer, it can articulate this well way better than I can about why independence is so important to them. But for one, I just think that Notre Dame as a school would rather take the harder schedule if it means that their alumni in LA get to see them every year or the Bay Area they're you know they'll play a neutral site game at the Alamo Dome or in uh, Florida like it's very important to them to just play games all around the country um, as opposed to an ACC schedule where you'll be playing a lot of games in places that maybe aren't as important to Notre Dame alumni Okay, well, as always, you can send your questions to us at theaudiblepod at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time. If you enjoy The Audible, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating, if you could, too. It helps us get the word out. Our producer is John Hayes. Our theme song is Dangerous by Kevin and the Octaves. You can download their music on Spotify or Apple Music. Follow me on Twitter at SLMandel. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic yet, this is the perfect time for you to join. And 
honor of hitting 1 million subscribers, we are offering a crazy promotion, just $1 a month. Normally our annual subscriptions are $5 a month. This one is $1 a month. Just use our code here at The Audible, which is theathletic.com slash theaudible to get your annual subscription first year, $1 a month. We'll find a way to adrenaline, it doesn't matter what it takes.